1: Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name is Shelley Johnson. I'm a HR consultant and the founder at Bold Side. Hey, M.
2: Hey, Shell. Emily Bowen here, and I'm the COO of Rare Kind. Today on the show, we're talking all things interviews with Sarah Smith. Sarah is the
1: host of the podcast Interview Boss, and she's a total boss when it comes to the interview. She's a HR professional, and she's heaps of fun. Emma and I loved this conversation so much. It's been ages since we've talked about interviews, and... Sarah shares so much wisdom and we just loved hanging out with her. I wish it was a Friday and we could have just turned it into happy hour and had drinks and hung out. Anyway, if you're looking for how to nail your next interview, you need to listen to this episode. Enjoy.
3: Hey, Sarah. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me
2: today. It's our pleasure. And for the listeners out there, we've just had a crash course in how to actually record a podcast episode with a guest. You'd think we'd known how to do it by now, but Sarah, you are a pro in your own right. You know all about the podcasting world and we just really appreciate you coming on board to be the expert in interviews for us today.
3: Oh, thank you so much for having me. We have so much in common, both being podcasters in the HR recruitment career space. So there's so much we can share knowledge on. There's not many people that fit into those categories both.
1: Yeah, totally. And and we met the other night actually Mm. at the My Millennial Money Tour in Sydney. And so you and I had come across each other on LinkedIn and I was, it was really funny because I'd listened to your podcast that week. (laughs) And I was on my walk and I was listening to your podcast, loving it. And then you were there at the event and you weren't (laughs) even, the funniest part was you'd actually weren't even meant to be at that particular event. No,
3: we went to the wrong event. My partner bought tickets to the wrong event. He thought he was getting tickets to the... Property Masterclass.
1: Oh, which is I the was night like,
3: before. Yeah. Oh. And I was like, hold on, that doesn't sound expensive enough. Like, I think we've got the wrong one. <laughs> oh, no. And then you had to
2: put up with us a
1: little oh, bit. Oh, <laughs> I'm
3: still stoked to be there. <laughs> That's oh, really
1: cool. It was really good to be able to meet you. And then we said, let's lock in time to do this chat with you about interviews because it's been a while since Em and I have done anything on interviews. And we thought we'd love to get. Uh, pick your brain. So, we're going to hit you with a whole heap of questions, things that our community have asked about interviews and things that we want to know. So, let's dive in. We want to know, Sarah, about nerves. So, managing the nerves when it comes to interviews can be really challenging. What is your tips for how you overcome nerves in an interview?
3: Well, I think first of all, they're really, really normal. It's not a sign that you're not prepared. It's not a sign that you're going to vomit or anything. Like for you guys, when's the last time you had an interview? Did you still get nervous as HR pros?
2: Oh, so a uh, confession. The last time I would have had an interview would be over 11 years ago. Oh, <laughs> So, I don't know. And that was when I had graduated or I was on my way to graduating university and I was looking for that next job. So, I'd been working in admin. I was graduating, looking for something in HR recruitment. And uh, the business I ended up getting a job with, I I went to a lot of interviews at the time. So many, in fact, that I think it did become somewhat… I guess, repetitive and so it that yeah. calms the nerves. I was like, yeah, yep, you know, Monday, I Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, let's mm. just rinse and repeat. Um, funnily enough though, I have often said, so I ended up getting the job with Rare Kind and as a recruiter and I have often said that as a recruiter, because you're working in that consulting space, anytime that you go to a new client meeting, it's like you're interviewing for your job all over again because you're trying to win that next client. So um, I'm not sure that I can give the most credible response here. I can guess though that if you set me up to go to an interview next week Mm – I think I'd be pretty nervous yeah, because because it would be something that I haven't done in over a decade and I can't believe that I'm that old. But yeah, I think I would be nervous. And
3: that's even when you know what goes on in an interview because you do them so much. So imagine if you haven't been to an interview in 10 years and you've also never been in one either, you just have no idea what to expect. And so it can be really nerve wracking. Um, What about you, Shell?
1: I think it would have been just probably before we started this podcast. So it must have been about three or four years, maybe four years yeah. ago. And I have talked about that interview on the podcast way back. Oh, I remember it this one. It was a drama field mm. interview. <laughs> they asked some horrible questions. Oh, like, I think I did like, hear you guys talk about this. Ooh, yeah. It was really confronting. Lots of red flags. Massive red flags. But, I mean, that was – I remember feeling nervous and it was also like an hour drive from where I lived. So, it was oh. – It was like this long drive out there and so there's all the nerves associated like with managing that. And I remember thinking on that drive and kind of rehearsing what I would be saying and
3: responding – So yeah, that would be the last time. Yeah, I had one about six months ago and I was still super nervous. Even running a podcast on job search and knowing like what to do and everything was still, you still get the butterflies. You're still like, oh, how's this gonna go? I think there's heaps of things you can do. Being prepared is a big one just so that you can tick that box in your head and go, hey, I've done everything I need to do to be ready. I know what I wanna talk about. I've thought of some of my stories, my tell me about yourself. You guys have episodes on that. I like to recommend that people bring a notebook in as well. I think that can really help. First of all, I think you should have your questions to ask at the end kind of written down in the notebooks because you're going to forget them by the end. Um, But also you can put notes in there of things that you want to refer to. Nine times out of 10, you probably won't even need it. But having it there as a bit of a security blanket, I think gives you that feeling of like, I have a fallback plan. I think the other thing, do you guys hear about people talking about they just go blank when they get a certain question? Yeah. Yeah. Everything, all of that prep goes out the window. Yeah. They're thrown a curveball and they're just not sure what to do. So I think having some strategies that work for you for if you do go blank, something as simple as like, oh, do you mind repeating the question? Even saying out loud, oh, sorry, look, I'm a little bit nervous. Do you mind if we come back to that one at the end? Those things are totally fine to say. Um, could you rephrase it is a good way to do that as well. And then we have another fun one. I found this advice online when I was looking up to do an episode about nerves in an interview. And it was, if you find your hands shake, you can clench your butt cheeks and that will stop your hands shaking. And <laughs> I've, I've no never done that. that. No one But I, Exactly right. I, I hadn't tried it. I don't know if it works because I don't necessarily have super shaky hands. But one of our listeners wrote in and she said, it absolutely works. She clenched her butt cheeks in the interview and her hands stopped shaking. So there you go. I think that's a good practical tip. That
2: is so good. Can I ask a (laughs) bit of a 2022 question just around the notepad? And maybe it's a question for the group. How do we feel? Because For example, I've phased out notebooks. I don't really use them and I'll tend to take notes in my phone. I don't have an iPad these days. So, it is my phone. It does everything for me. How do we feel if somebody's done that note-taking or turns up to take notes using their phone in an interview?
3: Oh, I, I love that question and I think it should be okay but there's something that feels weird about it for some reason it feels like you could be googling the answer or something I don't know why that is but that's why I've always said notebook what about you or, guys what would your reaction menu, be? On menu log getting my lunch ordered? <laughs> like
1: what am I gonna have for lunch? You after are nice
2: really- to- I'm just gonna quickly order Uber Eats. If you like- could do that you're a really good multitasker I'm with you Sarah I mm. I want it to be okay but there's something that's stopping me. And I wonder if it's because a phone is like a multi-tool, right? It's multi-purpose. So, the idea of taking notes, using it to take notes is fine. However, yes. because it also yep. represents texting, emailing, audio, ordering your lunch, phone calls, like it represents yep. a distraction and not being present. Maybe, yes. I mean, I'm deep diving I think on that's this now, it. but maybe that's what it is. We're just not there yet.
3: And I think if you had your phone, if you didn't want the notebook for like a backup kind of thing and you just had your questions to ask at the end on your phone, I think you could handle that and say like, I've actually just written out some questions on your phone. I hope you don't mind if I pull that out. And I think that'd be a fine way to do it, to get it out for that specific purpose. I don't think you could have it like sitting in front of you though. I think that'd be like, you're looking at your text messages. It would come off really strange.
1: I agree. Okay, awesome. And mm. I'm into analog, so I think writing it down is really good. You don't want any more distractions mm. in an environment where you're already nervous, and you don't want your mate texting yep. you saying, "How's it going?" Yeah, yeah. The other thing, just on nerves, have you seen anything? I, I really loved. It was Amy Cuddy. She did a TED talk on managing nerves. Have you? Have yeah. you? Either of you seen that? Power I
3: posing. Yeah, Ooh, I don't think I have. Yeah, I did see that and I think my sister mentioned it. I think she'd seen it recently and she mentioned it on one of our episodes. But I thought I saw something recently where her research was debunked or something. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, sorry. I, but that could be fake news. I don't know. I'm sorry, Amy Cuddy. <laughs> <laughs> one of you has just put her in a hole. Right? Right? <laughs> I loved her stuff
1: because... I remember watching her TED Talk. I know she released a book about it as well, about the power poses. And you could go into the bathroom before an interview (laughs) and do like the power pose with your – I'm doing it online. No one can see me. Uh, With your arms in the air, like you've just won a race. Like you just don't care. Yeah, your arms in the air, like you just don't care. And basically like I tried doing that for any time I'd have to do a presentation when I was nervous. And I did find – and it could just be like placebo, right? But I did find like – I felt more physically empowered and like I was actually able to yeah. take the space that I needed in the room when I was presenting. Yep. And so for people, and she, I know she was kind of saying within 10 minutes of doing it, if you can quickly race into a bathroom yep. and put your arms in the air and take on a power pose, <laughs> you can walk in feeling that level of power and confidence in the yep. interview. And I found that quite helpful, yeah. something that maybe our listeners can test out. And
3: <laughs> the thing is, I know I said before I'm maybe the research is you, debunked, I, I feel like... I'm. I'm a a science person at heart, so I'm very cautious of talking about research. But the other thing is, if it works for you, it doesn't matter if it's valid. Do you know what I mean? Like if if it works for you and it's something that you won't feel silly about or weird about and you've tried it at home and it gives you that powerful feeling, it doesn't matter if it's strange. Um, It doesn't even matter if it's placebo, right? I agree.
2: Hey, uh, the next question we want to talk about here is, bad interviews and shell i can't help but latch on to your mention of this bad interview which was the last interview you went to let's set the scene what does a bad interview look like and then sarah you can talk us through how do we actually handle that sort of situation Mm.
3: well yeah shell do you want to say what what, (laughs) what's a bad interviewer it sounds like you had one (laughs) If you could see my face, She's like I'm just like I didn't <laughs> want, no, 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 I, no. I don't want to go back there. Flashbacks. Oh, it was so bad.
1: Yeah, I, it was. Um, yeah, for like a head of HR role oh. at a big at a corporate, mm-hmm. and they ended up asking some very personal and inappropriate questions around when I would. Oh, look, it was so long. Ago, I can't exactly remember all the details. I remember one of them. There was a question about. My health and oh. family plans, and oh. there was also a question that was completely uh, racist that they asked, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, this is full on!" Like i I was so, I, even now you could hear the shock. Yeah. I still, it was so shocking
2: to me, and I was just like, "How do I even respond?" And such a tricky situation because these are not the first questions you've been asked in this interview, I imagine. You've come in, there's probably some small talk, there's probably some more orthodox questions that you're asked and then at some point these end up on the table and perhaps Mm. not all in one row but, you know, they're starting to open up these lines of conversation and the first one you might navigate your way through with an answer that's appropriate, Mm. polite, shuts it down, in a way that you kind of go, okay, that was a weird moment, but we'll just shut that down and we'll move on. But when you start to bank up two or three or four of these questions and you're in this room with a panel of two or three people, you know, I'm starting to paint a picture for myself at yeah. least. And you've got that slight power dynamic, albeit I don't yeah. like to play into that, but it is there, you're in there, like you're on their home ground. How do you deal with that? Yeah, it And you're trying to process it on the spot, I can only imagine. But what have you heard, seen, what can you recommend to us, Sarah? Well,
3: I think I think there's plenty of ways that people can be a bad interviewer. And that's an example of like, you know, just inappropriate. Also, I think in that situation, you're taking a lot of cues from do I want to work for this person? Is this company the right culture? All of that sort of stuff. So I think it's important to reflect on those things in the moment. I'd love to say, hey, call it out, you know, stand up for yourself. But I just think, you know, some people aren't going to be that kind of confident, that comfortable in doing that. Um, And so I think particularly for the first type of that question, try and answer it in a way that maybe gets at what they might have innocently been trying to ask. So, oh, do you have any plans for for kids? You could kind of say, okay, look, maybe this is an untrained interviewer you know, they've said that and they didn't mean to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, I'm looking for a full-time role and I'm looking to stay long-term. You know, you can kind of avoid the question, but try and potentially get at the innocent part of what they were asking. If you're getting multiple, I think it's perfectly fine to decline to answer those questions. Look, I don't think that's an appropriate question and I don't feel comfortable answering it. Um, I think that's a totally fine answer for you to give. You could end the interview, you could leave, but I kind of prefer. And I think what I would probably realistically do is continue the interview and then maybe reflect on it, whether you want that job afterwards, potentially give some feedback too, particularly if, I mean, in that situation you're interviewing for the head of HR. So, I don't know that there's much further that you can go. But oftentimes, this kind of stuff might be coming from a manager, um, like a line manager type person who may be untrained in what they're meant to do. So, giving that feedback to the company afterwards, if you feel comfortable, can help them have a conversation about that and not make that happen to someone else. And I think
1: my examples are really extreme and probably Mm. I've never seen anything like that in my time of interviewing. (laughs) So, I was... I think that is probably the exception to yeah. the rule. What I'd love to know is, well, I hope it is because it was yeah. awful. I, I and so if you, if you have or you're going for an interview and you have any questions that make you feel uncomfortable at that or that are just discriminatory or mm. give you any of those indications, that's not an environment we would recommend you work yeah. in. So let's yeah. just say that out loud totally. now. What I would like to ask you is some of the more subtle things. Like the interviewer that – I've seen this a lot. It's Mm. the interviewer that asks like a confusing question. So, it might be like three-pronged question of like, okay, Sarah, like I'd love to know what is your best achievement and when was a project that you like (laughs) failed on and also why did you leave your job? You know, they're asking all these like confusing questions that you're like, well, uh, how do I actually answer that? How do you deal with a more subtle bad interviewer? Yes.
3: And there's so many ways that they can be bad. A common thing that I've seen is exactly that, what you're talking about. But also the interviewer who doesn't really ask many proper questions and they don't really give you an opportunity to talk about the things that you wanted to mention, which is really awful as well, because then they're, you're like, how are you even judging me if you haven't asked me really any questions or they're talking too much and they just it's just a chat, but they haven't, again, asked you any proper questions. I think a really good one with that three-pronged question, normally it comes from, The interviewer not really having thought about what they're going to ask and they haven't planned it. They've gone in a little bit off the cuff. I've been a little bit guilty of doing this sometimes when I've asked a bit of an unplanned question and I'm kind of thinking on my feet, talking as I'm asking it and thinking as I'm asking it. I think the best response to that is ask them, oh, sorry, um do you mind repeating the question? And often that will get them to rephrase it as well and clarify actually out of those three things what I really wanted to know is why you left your job or I really wanted to hear about the project that you were successful in. Um, and then you can narrow that down and kind of answer it that way. For the interviewer that doesn't ask many questions or they don't give you that opportunity, I've seen so many of these where they just say, uh, yeah, so this job requires a lot of attention to detail. You've done that before, right? Mm. And the person, if the person just sits there and goes, yes... They don't have any examples and then they're going to walk out not being really convinced even though it was kind of their fault. Um, So, I actually think you need to go in thinking, okay, what are the examples that I want to give and talk about and try and work those in even if you don't get the proper lead in. I think it's possible to be a good interviewee even if you have a bad interviewer, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So, in that scenario, would you recommend saying something back like, yes, yes. And here's how I've demonstrated my attention to detail in a previous project or
3: whatever. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I have a great attention to detail. Um, for example, blah, blah, blah. I often pick these things up. Yeah. I think if the interviewer is chatting a lot too, and they don't really ask you any any direct questions, um, you can try and work it into, oh, okay, so tell me a bit more about the job. Does it require, you know, what kind of skills does it require? And then try and go, okay, well, oh, oh that seems really similar to this that I've done in the past where I had to X, Y, Z. You shouldn't have to do that, I just want to say. Like, the interviewer should be better than that. And a good interviewer will actually make it easy for you to talk about what you need to talk about. Um, But that's not always the case. And I think it's a good opportunity for you to be the standout.
2: Yeah, it is nice for us to remind ourselves every now and then that as much as we don't, uh, I guess, participate as the interviewee every day, our interviewer doesn't
3: do this every day either. Yeah, Yeah. and I often get asked by people – you know, why do they ask this weird question or what are they trying to do with this? Um, what? Someone said, if you were a hamburger, which part of the hamburger oh, would gosh. you be? <laughs> like, and they're going, why are people asking this? What are <sighs> they looking for in that answer? And often my response is, well, they're bored. Like they just, the hiring manager doesn't really like interviewing and they're trying <laughs> to make it interesting. Sometimes there isn't really a rhyme or reason at all. Um, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> so good. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I might
2: try that one in my next interview.
3: I'd be the pickle.
2: <laughs> oh, hi. A little bit well, I always take the pickle off my cheeseburger. I don't know why, but I Yeah. There's some deep thought in here. We might need to come back
3: to it. <laughs> Sorry. You're, uh, you're divisive as a person. Yeah, I know. She removes herself from situations. You either love me or hate me. Well, possibly. <laughs>
2: Actually, there's one. Yeah. There we go. Well, I love pickles. So oh, well, that's you can why we stay. Get along. <laughs> Gosh, right. all right. Hey, uh, something we've been talking a lot about in the office uh, as recruiters mm. is ghosting. So lately, oh, we're just yeah. experiencing so much ghosting by candidates. And yep. look, a lot of that is to do with the market at the moment and mm-hmm. I guess um, where the power lies, so to speak, in that supply and demand yeah. uh, model. But the question I actually have for you is. Mm if we, let's assume that all of our listeners are going to do the right thing and if they (laughs) can't make it to an interview, they're going to communicate about that in advance. If it's a situation where we're unexpectedly unwell or something Mm. means that we cannot actually make it, but we'd still like to, uh, I guess, reschedule, Mm. what would be your advice around like, is that okay? Should we feel okay about rescheduling an interview? And assuming that there are situations where that is the case. How do we go about it so that we're not burning any bridges or upsetting anybody?
3: Absolutely. It's totally okay to reschedule. And I I also think part of this goes with scheduling in the first place. You might get pressured to go, hey, can you come in tomorrow? And you're like, oh, yeah, okay. But actually you've had to change your whole life around to make that work. Don't feel pressured to take the first option and make sure that it does actually work for you. On the flip side, you do need to be flexible um, saying, anytime outside of hours or like after 6pm is the only time I can interview, it's going to be very impossible for you to get the job. So, I think that's a a note on scheduling, but absolutely it's okay to reschedule. But I do think you need to keep in mind that as employers, as recruiters, there is a lot of ghosting and, and we are a bit suspicious. And I have seen a lot of candidates reschedule in inverted commas their interview because they're just waiting on another offer and they don't really want to go to the interview, but they'll do it in two weeks time if they haven't got anything else so they reschedule with a fake excuse and invariably that fake excuse is family emergency I don't know whether you guys have heard that we're nodding nodding along (laughs) (laughs) and I just I'm at the point now where I just don't believe it when someone says they've got a family emergency which is I know that's not a nice thing like maybe some of them are genuine but I think when you're rescheduling, you have to keep that in mind a little bit. So, you're reiterating your enthusiasm for the role. Um, You're giving a little bit of context of what might be going on. Hey, I'm unwell. Hey, I'm whatever. I think the closer to the time that the interview is and the less notice you're giving, I kind of feel like you have to give a a little bit more of an insight into what's happened. If it's three days before, hey, something's come up. Can we move it? I think that's okay. If it's the day of or two hours before, I think you're going to have to say something. Something's come up with one of the kids, you know, it doesn't have to be heaps of detail, but um, I think that's better than um, saying a blanket family emergency. Um, I always try and call first if you've got phone numbers you can contact people on um, and then follow up with an email um, just to reiterate, hey, I'm really excited to come in for this role and suggest some other times that might work for you to be able to reschedule. And again, if that's like, I can't come in in two hours' time, but what about next Friday? (laughs) Like, you know, eight days away or something like that, it's going to feel a little bit like you're just putting them off for something else. So, just be wary of that too.
2: I would add that if you are pushing it out that far, you're also at risk of regardless Mm. of how genuine your reschedule is, regardless of how genuine your interest is, you might end up just missing out because they will have most likely scheduled all interviews to happen over the course of a few days or in a particular week and they won't be waiting for you yep. or it's unlikely, I guess, you know, you reduce that chance that they'll wait for you. Yep. I tend to think also as a little word of advice that if you're going to reschedule, I think that your ability to be flexible and accommodate the yeah. time that suits them has to increase.
3: Mm. True. Yeah, I really agree with that. I think that also goes without saying in the in the first part as well. If you... I see this a lot when people are like, oh, I can't get time off work or I can't leave my job. Well, if you get this job, you're going to resign. So like you're going to leave this company. Don't keep giving them so much when you're trying to leave. You've got to think about how you can be creative and flexible to treat it like a medical appointment, I think. Like, sorry, I've got to leave early. Sorry, I've got to come in late. You know, take a sick day if you need to. I think it's mm. important to fit this in if you, if you, you need you Or you may need to,
2: yeah, use your annual leave. Like you may need to take half a day or a full day of annual leave. Yeah. The other thing that you might be able to do, depending on if
1: it's a face-to-face interview, let's say, and you have Mm. to reschedule, you've had something come up with the kids, call and say, hey, something's come up with the kids today. They're sick. I'm so sorry. Mm. What I could do though today is I actually could do a a remote interview. How would that work? Just because one of the things for the hiring manager is – they're often got back-to-backs. So, it's just being mindful of that you you might still want to fit into their two-day window that they've blocked out, but showing you have that ability to be flexible and come up with just that creative idea, as you said, Sarah, of what are the other alternatives to maybe that in-person if that is the case for the interview?
3: Yeah. And most companies are able to be flexible and they understand that they have to work around you and do early or late or remote interviews. So, they'll be willing to work with you. I just think that flexibility has to be both ways. Yeah.
2: And the more you, to your point, I love that idea because if you can just get in front of the employer, they'll either rule you out or they'll be like, okay, I know this person had to, you know, change the game plan last minute. We're now on video, but God, they were good. I really want to meet them properly. And they'll be more invested in you
3: as well totally and you may need to do another in person if if that's what their process is yeah yeah very cool
1: so let's talk about the follow up mm-hmm. so following up at the job interview like you let's say we've just had the interview i really want the job i'm really keen for it mm. but how it's kind of like after a date like i know <laughs> when do you text them and be like hey that like when can i see you again <laughs> you yeah, so yeah what is the timeline for for contacting and following up with the hiring manager after you've had an interview is
3: like 3 days is there some kind of rule yeah. good question i think it starts in the actual interview itself and this is something you can write down of your questions to ask at the end is what's the next steps because i think you get them to tell you their time frame because it can differ a little bit whether if you're the first you the first person to apply and the first interviewed they might be pretty early in their process. And so you might have to wait a little bit longer just because of how it's ended up. But if you're the last interview, they might be able to come back to you really quickly. So I think asking them, hey, what's your process? When can I expect to hear back or next steps is really helpful. And if they said, okay, by the end of the week, let's say it's Wednesday and they say you'll hear from us by end of Friday and then you haven't, that's your follow-up. Okay, well, you said Friday, it's now Monday. Hey, just checking in, wanting to see how the process is going you know, can I get an update on next steps? I think be guided by what they said. Again, just thinking about how we follow up,
1: like in that immediately after the interview, would would I send an email to the hiring manager saying, hey, thanks. I really enjoyed the interview. Or do you think like less is more when it comes to that correspondence? Play a bit hard
3: to get. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think Like There's a lot of stuff on there being like, you have to send these interviews. And I think we spoke a little bit off air about anytime you see ultimatum advice or you have to do this or never do that, just be suspicious. You don't have to send a follow-up email. In fact, I think probably a very, very small percentage of interview candidates ever do. I think you save it for the times where you actually did really enjoy the interview and then it's really genuine. You've got something to talk about. Like say you made a really good connection with your interviewer and you had a great chat about something. Send the follow-up email because particularly in this really candidate-driven market, motivation for applying for the role is a big factor. Not only do people want to give the role to someone who fits with the skills and qualifications, but they want to hire someone who really wants the job. And so if that's true... I think that can be a good way to show that. Such
1: good advice. I love it. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in a sec. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. All right. So, let's talk about honesty at interviews.
3: Mm. How honest is too honest when it comes to the interview? (laughs) Um, It's a good question. I often chat to people who are a bit nervous about something in their situation. Often that can be that they were made redundant, that they've had a bit of a career break, that they're making a career change. Something is going on for them, even that they've been fired from one of their roles in the past and they get so terrified about it that they avoid the topic altogether they don't mention it in their tell me about yourself they don't talk about it at all and then it becomes this like elephant in the room again like if you've got on your resume i finished there in july and it's now august the interviewer is going to want to know, like they're going to ask you about that if you don't bring it up. And I think a much better way to go about those kinds of things is to be upfront and say, Yeah, so I actually left that role in July and what I've been doing now is X, Y, Z. You don't have to go into heaps of detail, but I think you being the first to mention it kind of gets the elephant out of the room a little bit. So I'm a big fan of giving those things up front and being a little bit honest about them. Have you guys seen this kind of stuff before and someone hasn't mentioned that they're not currently working there and you find out later and then it feels like you've uncovered something?
2: Yeah, I had that experience not too long ago Mm. and... It was a recruitment process that was tracking well on paper and we were really getting close to that pointy end. it was heading in the right direction. However, through a recruitment process, I'm a big believer in you're looking for consistency. So you're really looking to confirm and reconfirm over and over again that this person is who you think they are and who they say they are. Mm. And there I'm simply talking about strengths, skill set, experience, all of that package and motivators is another one. And as we moved more and more towards that pointy end, we're thinking, you know, 95% of this is making sense, but there's just Mm. a couple of things that are like little subtle, not sure about this. And we're just looking to remove that hesitation. We're looking to confirm that, Mm. okay, we've got a great explanation for that. We can park it. But what ended up happening is exactly as you've described, which is mm. we sat in the fi- what was to be the final interview, that final decision-maker one way or the other, and we learnt that this person was not in the role that was last listed on their <sighs> resume. And through this whole process of multiple interviews and conversations, they hadn't one men- once mentioned where they were working yeah. and they hadn't been there for long. And they did have a narrative that they shared to go along with it. Mm. And do you know what? If in the first interview they had told us that narrative, we probably would have been okay. Like that part of their story would have made sense in context. We would have built on it over time. It would have Mm -hmm. like laid that groundwork. But because it came up right at the end after many conversations, we kind of went, that's weird. Why? Like it just made us go, that's like, I don't know if it's suspicious or not, but it just feels like a question mark now. Yeah. And I'm
3: not sure it's one we can get an answer to because we're at the end of the line. Yeah. I think that is such gold for people to listen to, that thinking and the conversations that are going on behind the scenes when you walk out of that interview. That is exactly what you're trying to avoid by just getting it out there and being the one to offer that information rather than even waiting to be asked about it at all. Again, you don't have to go into heaps of detail. Look, I have recently left there, blah, 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 and you tell me about yourself in your story. In context, they may even just be happy with that and not even bring it up again. That's enough for them. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And I think employers and hiring managers understand and Emma and I were talking about this this morning actually before this conversation that most people in their career have a bad exit. If you haven't had one yet, you will because (laughs) not every employment relationship works out. It just doesn't. You're not going to align with or enjoy every role and that's life. And so just being able to communicate that in a way that resonates up front Mm. is just so important of going, hey, I was working at that role. I finished up uh, within six months because it just wasn't the right fit with my technical skills, mm-hmm. and I was really looking for this
2: type of thing.
3: Yep, oh, I like learnt th- that I prefer this, and I didn't know that until now. You took the
2: words out of my oh, mouth. Sorry. I was going, no, it's awesome <laughs> because I was going to add that if you can also include in your story what you've learnt, you know what is that thing that you've yep. taken from it. I feel like that just brings a level of maturity and yeah. self-reflection and self-awareness, which are things that most employers are looking for.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I even had someone reach out and say she'd been working in her dad's business or something for quite a number of years and was like, oh, I feel weird about mentioning that. I'm just going to not mention it. And I was like, oh, I think that's a bit strange. Like when they go to do your references and they work out as your dad, like... Or that after you've started again, it just feels like you've hidden something. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But if Not you hide it, it could be a big deal. Absolutely. Hey, quick question How long do interviews normally go for? Like, what is typical? Mm. It depends on the company and the role. I'd say more junior roles, they often don't need as much time. More senior roles, they might need more time and depends on how many rounds and all that kind of thing. Um, But I'd say 30, 30 minutes, 45 minutes or an hour is probably the most common. I think longer is usually a bit of a good sign if it turns into a conversation and you run over the scheduled time that sometimes can be a good thing. But yeah, that's pretty typical.
1: So let's talk about, you mentioned there, if it goes over multiple rounds, I'd mm. love to talk about the second round interview because often what we focus on and what most of us prepare for is the first one because it's yep. the icebreaker and it's where we get really nervy. But the second one is so important. And one of the things I often say with um, mm. clients that I'm working with is your second round is the game changer because someone can be impressive in 45 minutes, Yeah. but you get to the next The second date, the second interview, and it's like, are they a good vibe? Is there a good thing going on here? Is there chemistry? Tell us about what we need to be doing differently or the same or what is it? Um, mm. I'm doing one of those three-pronged questions. <laughs> <laughs>
3: See what I mean? Do you mind repeating the question and then you'll suddenly like tell me what Let you actually me go again. Hear. <laughs> and then
2: she'll read it from the script. Let me go again. <laughs> what is different
3: about the second round interview? <laughs> oh, See? See how well that worked? No, we've just <laughs> demonstrated for everyone because suddenly the person's so like, hold on, I didn't mean to do that. Let me rephrase. And so they're happy to help you out. I think we get this a lot where people think that everything changes in the second round. And whilst there is a bit of a different dynamic because you have already met with the company before, it, it can be pretty much exactly the same. I think it depends on who's actually in the interview. And I think that's one of the most important things to find out, who are you meeting with? Sometimes you can have met with, say, the recruiter and the hiring manager as a first stage. And the second stage might be with a senior manager or someone else. And so, it's a completely new set of people, in which case you use all your same examples and stories. You don't need to – I think people think they can't repeat stuff if they've already mentioned it in a different interview. If they're different people – they haven't heard them before. And I guarantee you, they're not transcribing your interview and providing it to the next stage. That's just not happening at all. So feel free to use your same stuff. You may even need to do your tell me about yourself again, if they're fresh people. If it is a follow up with the same people, they're normally going to want to go a bit more in depth and ask about what kind of Em mentioned before of some things that might be in the back of their mind that they're not quite convinced on yet. And ask you more questions about those. Em, I'd love to hear from you, like what are the kinds of questions that you see in those follow-up round interviews? Is it, you know, you've done the behavioural one. Do you say, tell me more about that? Like how do they kind of normally sound? I agree with everything you've said. So what I would usually
2: see for a second round interview is either a combination of different people and maybe one of the same. So I'll often, if I'm the hiring manager, my preference is to have consistency for, our benefit and also for the candidate's benefit of at Mm. least one person. So, you know, I like to sit in on every interview, for example, but I'll bring different people in with me. Now, that, as I said, it it adds a level of consistency. It's also nice though from that point of view of finding, okay, are we hearing the same things again? I'm actually Mm. looking and wanting to hear the same things over and over again. Now, it doesn't have to be word for word. I mean that more in a thematic way. So... I'm looking to not feel like I've met with a totally different person. Yeah. I also though want to bring some different people into the second interview because I want the candidate to experience different perspectives. So there's also mm. the dance to be aware of, which is by the second interview, we like you. Mm. We're, we're becoming invested in you. And we actually want to, yes, continue to test your suitability but we also want to win you over and we want you to experience out of even more people's mouths that we are what we say we are as well. So I'll usually, as uh, you've already said most of this, but as you've described, I'll usually find that those interviews go more in depth. It's an opportunity Mm -hmm. for both parties to come back having reflected on the first conversation Mm -hmm. and ask for more information. So I'd like to think that with that and also with familiarity – it's feeling more conversational. It might be over a coffee rather than an interview panel style. And it's starting to feel a little bit more like, oh, we could actually make this work. Mm. So look, everything you've said, I've probably just echoed in my own words because you know, as you've described, you're really just looking to continue to commit to each other, to continue to get that consistency, to continue to overcome any hesitations. Mm. And behind the scenes, the last thing I would add is, Just on this idea of repeating yourself, it's so fine because so often what I will do if I'm that interviewer is I'll go and debrief with other people, and the conversation will be along the lines of, Oh, did did she tell you this? Yes. Oh did she talk to you about that? Oh, no. did she tell you about that? Yeah, did she tell you about the time she did this? Oh, it was so good. <laughs> um or what did you think about that? And so you actually want to be able to compare yeah. and contrast and yep. kick around both existing and new ideas.
3: Yep I I'd completely agree and I think a lot of people don't realize that actually using your same examples if because I I talk about preparing for an interview and coming up with your best examples and your best stories, the highlights of your career, you don't want to use substandard ones just because you've used them before. Like you want to still go back to your highlights and make sure that new set of people hear those as well. Totally. So we've
1: got time for one more question. I'm not going to do a double pronged (laughs) pronged question. Continuous improvement. (laughs)
2: Look at me go.
1: Um, (laughs) So last one for you today, Sarah, how do you know if you've performed well
3: at an interview? Mm, I think we touched on a few of them already It getting very conversational You know, there's some signs with kind of obviously being back
0: Head over to Hulu this March Where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers Starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott Stream the new Hulu original limited series We Were the Lucky Ones With Joey King and Logan Lerman And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.
3: Invited for multiple rounds. But I think there's some also subtle language cues that you can maybe pick up on. These are not universal by any means. It's kind of like telling how to tell if someone likes you. Like, they might not. You just, they're indicators only. But sometimes they'll slip in their language and saying, well, you would be doing this and working really closely with so-and-so as opposed to this candidate, whatever, like they're inserting your name. The successful
1: candidate will. I know like when you create distance between the candidate and the successful person, you're kind of implying maybe it's not a go.
3: Yep. And they'll slip into, well, yeah, I mean, when you came on board, you'd be, your first thing you would do is this. It's sometimes unconscious on the interviewer's part and it's because they're imagining you in that role and they've kind of skipped ahead in their mind. They might start going into a sales pitch as well. I find that this goes up to 11 when they really like the person, that second, part of the interview or at the end they're really talking about here's our benefits our culture (laughs) like really going hard on trying to convince you which can be a good sign they also might ask for a bit more detail in like terms of notice period do you have any holidays coming up it's getting a bit more concrete I guess Turning into a conversation, we definitely mentioned, and introducing you to more people that you weren't meant to necessarily meet. um, I'm just going to grab, I just saw so-and-so walk past. Let me grab them for a second. I think that's a good sign. They're not going to waste a colleague's time if they don't like you. Office tours that are impromptu, those types of things are always good too. But sometimes... They might actually go really hard on you in that interview if they really like you. And that can feel like the opposite. It doesn't feel super friendly and nice, but they might be, right, if I'm actually going to have you on board, I'm serious about this. I need to know all this stuff. Whereas someone that they've ruled out, they're just going through the motions of the interview. They've already decided. So they can actually go a bit harder. Have you guys seen that kind of thing where I've got 10 more questions now that I'm really considering you?
1: Yeah, totally. I've seen hiring managers do this quite a bit. Mm. I personally don't like it. Like they're trying to put them through a ringer. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's like a test.
1: It's like a test, but it's almost Mm. like they want to validate. I know um, Patrick Lencioni, one of my favorite leadership authors talks a lot about going really hardcore on the values types of questions Mm. and really pressing people that you want And challenging them in the interview. And I Mm. think there is some helpful stuff in it. Mm. It's obviously the way that the interviewer does it. But I think you're right. Like when they really like you, they can kind of push on some of those buttons a little bit to try and see how you'd fit their culture. But I think that's often about a culture team environment thing more so than necessarily the interview or the job in general.
3: Yeah.
2: All right. Let's leave it there for today. But Sarah, super important that you give a plug to interview boss, particularly because so many of the questions that we have asked today are like whole episodes on your podcast. (laughs) So if anybody wants to listen to a whole episode on rescheduling, I'm pretty certain that I saw that there was one along those lines that popped up recently. Where can we find you and learn more?
3: Yep. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, we're available. So, it's interview boss and we're all about the job search in general. So, advice, inspiration and support. We like to be pretty conversational. I think we're a little bit like you guys in that sense and there's a little bit of entertainment thrown into. So, yeah, come and find us wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Awesome. And I saw you guys are on LinkedIn. So, we can have a little sticky beak around there, get to know you a little bit more as well, perhaps.
3: Instagram at interview boss and we've got a website if you want to check out we've got some free resources and things like that resume templates and resignation letters stuff like that um, oh good
1: <laughs> <yeah>. We <Awesome. laughs> love that sort of we'll practical add, thing we'll add that in the show notes so check it out and thank you Sarah so much for hanging out with us today it's so good to chat and as always if you enjoy the show follow share with your friends and leave a five-star rating and review thanks heaps for hanging out
2: talk to you again soon
1: Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business,
0: and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast.